Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. I wasn't sure if that was the intro to the show, Rhino, or if that was the actual weather outside here in New Albany. I had a great promo lined up. This is Thunder and Lightning. Brian Haydad here with you on a Wednesday. He had a great promo set up, Rhino, for when Richard asked me what was going to be on the show tonight. He's going to start with, finally, Haydad has come back to New Albany. It would actually be a lie, though. I've never actually been to New Albany until today. But I'm glad to be here. We're here at the Tallahatchie River Festival. Uh, the weather has moved us from our peak uh, primo outdoor location right there on the corner of Main Street and West Bankhead. We are now inside here at Brain Freeze Frozen Yogurt. Very kind people here uh, who have allowed us to use uh, this place to, to get out of the elements. want to thank them very much. If you're in the downtown New Albany area and you want a little sweet treat, this is the place to come. We got a lot of great flavors. You can get some coffee. You can get some... Uh, Get some frappes and frappuccinos. And normally when I'm talking about coffee, I'm talking about something else, but not today. Good friends here in New Albany have taken care of us. Uh, if you're a Mississippi State fan and you watched uh, Mississippi State play LSU last week, it's only fair uh, that you might have some questions. Now, most of those questions can't be answered on this radio, or can't be asked on this radio show, uh, because there are SEC guidelines. And I can't have you guys coming in here and saying, you know, what you'd like to say after watching that particular uh, performance. There, there's no excuses to be made for what you saw on, on Saturday. Mississippi State just got, got pushed in. They got beat up. They got humiliated by LSU. In, on, in every phase of the game, coaching, playing, LSU was better than Mississippi State. There's just no getting around that fact. Um. And from a coaching and talent standpoint, I expect LSU to be better than Mississippi State. Brian Kelly is one of the top coaches in college football. Played for national titles, played in the college football playoff, played in huge games. Zach Arnett's in his fifth game, or fourth game as Mississippi State's head coach. Advantage LSU. From a talent standpoint, LSU is a top 10 recruiter every year. Mississippi State is not. Talent standpoint, advantage LSU. But that's been the case basically for the last two decades. And, you know, State did not get pushed around like this last year. They did not get pushed around like this two years ago. Three years ago, they won against LSU. That was a big step back for me to the Croom days, to the late Jackie Sherrill days of how Mississippi State was just handled uh, by, by, by LSU on Saturday. And I saw things that not only made me, you know, concerned about the short term, but about the long term as well, because I saw things that make me think if they can't fix that, if they can't 
change that, if they aren't willing to make changes here, here, and here, now, not, not next week, not down the road, not after a bye, now, then it's going to be tough for me to sit there and tell you with a straight face that, hey, yeah, this program's going in the right direction. That's just the, that's just the way of the world right now. Will Rogers played his worst game as a Mississippi State Bulldog on Saturday. Was pressured from the get-go, was not put in good situations by the play calling, but when he had opportunities, he, he, he didn't deliver. And it's just that simple. From a play calling standpoint and from a performance standpoint, Mississippi State's offense failed in every facet. They had one, two plays worth, worth talking about. The long run by Marks that sets up the short touchdown by Tulu Griffin. Other than that, nada. Defensively, a unit that didn't play great the week before, but at least forced five turnovers and gave you a chance to win the game, was manhandled by LSU. Jaden Daniels looked like Tom Brady in the pocket, just dropping dimes all over the field. Malik Neighbors, who is already the best receiver in the SEC, he didn't need to have a standout day for anybody to prove that, but that's exactly what he did. 15 catches, 239 yards, two scores. Dominance in every sense of the word. And I was I wasn't surprised that they lost. And I wasn't surprised that LSU was a lot better than them. I wasn't. But I was surprised at how how easy it was for LSU. I've got an interview on tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast with Brandon Marcello, and he talks about Mississippi State wasn't physical. And you think about Mississippi State through the years, and that's always been the identity that Mississippi State has had. You know, they may not be the most talented team, they may not win the game, but they will hit you. State didn't have that edge at all on Saturday. LSU pushed them around on the line of scrimmage, on both lines of scrimmage, offense and defense. State looked slow. They were out of position. They had bad matchups. Again, from a performance and from a coaching standpoint, just nothing good. Dan from Louisville, do you think the staff is in over its head this season or a chance for major changes on both sides of the ball for a successful season? There have to be major changes to have a successful season. can't keep doing what you did Saturday. No chance. you get beat every game. You'll be in trouble against USM and Western Michigan. Certainly in the SEC games. Here's a positive. It's hard to game plan for a team that doesn't even know its own identity. You know, you, you, I, it's, it's a joke and it's funny. Yeah, you're right. But that's exactly correct about Mississippi State. They have no identity. Mississippi State last year, whether you loved Mike Leach, hated him, liked the air raid, didn't like the air raid, you knew their identity. They were going to pass the football. Two weeks ago, State ran the ball and only threw it 17 times. This week, State throws it 28 times and only uh, Jaquavius Marks only gets nine carries. What's the identity? What's the plan? How do you plan to win? I don't know the answer to that question. It looked to me like we were missing two very important things. Explosiveness and our offensive line is the worst we've had in several years. The offensive line was manhandled from start to finish by LSU. And again, LSU is always going to have that talent advantage so that's when you've got to be able to out-scheme. I said this on Sunday's podcast. I'll say it again now. There are two ways to win football games. You either have more talent or you have a better game plan. You can win with less talent if you have the better game plan. You can win with more talent even if you have a bad game plan. But if you've got less talent and you've got a bad game plan, you're not winning ever, not one time. 
State's got to get better on the game plan. This week you play a team in South Carolina that you're much closer to from a talent perspective. They don't have the talent advantage that LSU does. They have probably a little bit more talent than you, and it is it on the road. So it's a tough task. But you've got to find a way to be competitive and give yourself a chance to win the football game. And you do that through the game plan. You do that through the scheme. If they don't do that, they're going to lose. They're going to lose badly. Now, here's the, here's the, the thing. And let's, let, let's, let's look at my prediction for this Mississippi State team, which I said was 8-4. and four. That's very shaky today. But I did have State losing this game coming up. I had that back in June, July, when I thought this team was going to be much better than I think it is right now. So I don't necessarily come on this show and say, oh, yeah, State's got to win. I don't know they've got to win, but they've got to play better. You know, if they lose 38-35, South Carolina kicks a game-winning field goal. Will Rogers has 250, 260 yards passing, and, and Marks is over 100 yards rushing, and it looks good on paper. That's fine. I think you can get through that. I think fans will be okay with that. You cannot repeat what you saw Saturday in, in Davis Wave Stadium. That is what Mississippi State fans will not accept. They will not take that going forward. They will not be allowed to do that. Has Barbe been interviewed? Yeah. And he basically, you know, he said the same thing that, that, that Arnett, Arnett did. He's, he's embarrassed. He, didn't know, he doesn't know where it went wrong. That's his job. He's got to find out where it went wrong. So, really tough, really tough uh, situation for Mississippi State. They've got a lot of work to do uh, this week coming into this game with South Carolina because as much support as Arnett had two weeks ago, I, I, people are, are, are they're, they're mad. I'd use another word, but, you know, I don't want Rhino to have to hit the dump button. But they're mad. And they want results. And this is, you know, this is the NIL era. This is the era of how much is my season ticket, and you want me to pay for the players, and i got to donate to the Bulldog Club? And then you're going to tell me the team's no good? Nobody's going to stand for that. Nobody's going to allow that. Nobody's going to say, okay, yeah, well, whatever, here's my money. They're going to be mad, and that's rightfully so. Lot to, lot, to, lot to go over today. Let's talk more about South Carolina. My handsome young son, Ben Portnoy, will join us in the next segment. Now a national college football reporter for the Sports Business Journal. His beautiful mother, Jennifer Aniston, and I. So proud of him. We'll be back with him in just a minute. We'll talk about South Carolina. He, as you know, he used to cover the Gamecocks. He'll give us a little of his thoughts on that and on some, uh, some thoughts for Mississippi State. Back in just a minute here in New Albany at Brain Freeze, part of the Tallahatchie River Festival. It's Thunder and Lightning, live on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Listen up! There is a storm coming! All right, we are back here on Thunder and Lightning, live Super Talk Mississippi at Brain Freeze here in downtown New Albany. 
The rain has taken us away from the outdoors. That's fine, though. I'd rather be here, to be totally honest with you. You will notice that Ben Portnoy of the Sports Business Journal is not at Brain Freeze. I recorded with him a little earlier uh, this week and talked to him about Mississippi State, about South Carolina, and his thoughts on this incredibly big game that we've got to see uh, this weekend in Columbia. Welcome in, welcoming in now. I'll say I'll learn how to speak eventually. My handsome young son, now national college football reporter for the Sports Business Journal. His mother and I are so proud of him. Ben Portnoy, of course, he covered South Carolina for years uh, prior to this. That's why I wanted to have him on uh, with us today. You and I talked back during the summer about this game, and we we were both stressed how important it was for both teams. And here we are three weeks in, and it's more important than I think we could have possibly imagined it is. Is this the season for the loser? Is that it for whoever loses this game? Yeah, I think, I mean, kind of like we we talked about in the summer, that this game was going to be a really interesting sliding door for both teams. And I think that when you look at it as far as what it is for South Carolina, what it is for Mississippi State, like – I I don't want to say it's the season because there's obviously a lot of season left, but I think it sets up both teams for a really weird, tricky spot if you do go out and lose this game. I mean, South Carolina is staring one and four in the face if they go and lose this game. I mean, you've got got to go to Knoxville in a week and sitting at one and three. That's not exactly an inspiring place to be, although I will say the way Tennessee looked in the swamp last week, maybe it's a little <laughs> maybe you feel a little bit better about that game than you might have last, a week ago or two weeks ago. And obviously, we know what happened the last time South Carolina played Tennessee, but I do think it is an interesting game as far as you look at sort of where Mississippi State's offense has been. You look at what South Carolina's defense has been. I, I think there's just a lot of moving pieces here that make this a really interesting matchup. And I think that, you know, one of these teams could very well be sitting at five and seven and kicking themselves about uh, this game in Columbia here in, you know, six, seven weeks. You you obviously are smart enough to know what the reaction of fan bases have been to these these two starts. Over here in Starkville, I mean, people are losing it. They're ready for Arnett to go after three games. It's it's actually kind of humorous, to be honest with you. What's the mood of the Carolina fan uh, in uh, in Columbia right now? I think they're in an interesting spot because I think that things could be worse, but are also kind of to script on some level. I think that, you know, I think the way that South Carolina played against UNC was a disappointment. I, I mean, there's no question about it. I think that, you know, I, I thought they did a pretty good job with Drake May. Force him into two interceptions. You know, Spencer Rattler had about 350 yards. I think, you know, the numbers you look at them, and I remember joking with some South Carolina people about this after the game was that if you told me Spencer Rattler was going to go 30 of 39 for 300 and some yards, a couple of touchdowns, and Drake May was going to have two interceptions and UNC only scored 31 points, I would have told you South Carolina probably won that game by 10 points, maybe 12 points. The reality is the defense didn't hold up and, and they gave up too many big plays down the stretch and South Carolina just kind of tripped over itself and they got an extra possession on an onside kick. So, you know, South Carolina kind of did checked all the boxes, just didn't really execute down the stretch and had some chances in that game and it just kind of got away from them. Then you look at Georgia, they came out, they were up 14-3 at half, played really well, kind of gave it away and Georgia started doing Georgia-like things. But I, but I do think that's inspiring. I, I know that, you know, Shane Beamer will say that there's no moral victories and all of those things, but... When you go toe to toe with Georgia, even whether even if Georgia's you know not necessarily the Death Star it's been in the last few years, like I, I still think that th there's something to be said for that. I mean, look, like it's only a year ago that South Carolina got run off the field in Columbia against Georgia, and you know lost that game. I think 45 to seven or 43 to seven, whatever that actually was. You know, got asked after the game if he sensed any quit in his team, and obviously lots of fun sound bites out of that. So yeah, I, I think that like you know South Carolina's been. I, I think South Carolina's an interesting space where like yes, they probably would have liked to have won the U.S. 
UNC game. I think you can circle the UNC game as a disappointment, but the fact they're sitting here at one and two, I don't think is super unexpected. And I think most people will, will reconcile with that. Now, granted, we know how fan bases react and people don't always think rationally, but I, I know. Think, yeah. The fact that South Carolina is one and two, I think they should feel, you know, okay about that. And going into it, this game is a favorite. Anybody ever questions if you're my son? You just made a Star Wars reference right in the middle of this. See, that's, that's my boy. You and I, when we had that interview back in the summer, you were adamant about how bad South Carolina's offensive line was going to be. And they really showed that off in, in the North Carolina game. They could not protect Spencer Rattler. I thought they were better against Georgia of all teams. But even then, in the end, he, they were able to get some heat on him. A- have they been worse than you even thought they were going to be? Right, because if there's anything that we know about college football, it's that, you know, 18 to 22-year-old kids are super consistent on a week-to-week basis. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, the Georgia game to the UNC game is kind of crazy. And I will say the offensive line looked better. I take it with a grain of salt against Furman, but, you know, did some things that were nice. And South Carolina's shaken up the rotation a little bit. You know, they've got Tree Babalade, who's a four-star ta- uh, freshman in there, so he's probably going to be starting at, I think, left tackle. Uh so that makes her an interesting note. And I think they've, they've shaken up the rotation. They seem to be finding something, but boy, that week one against UNC, I mean, that is a UNC defensive line that I'm still not convinced is particularly good. And I mean, they were screwed up teeing off on Spencer Rattlers, what nine sacks, 10 sacks in that game. I mean, that's not, I thought the offensive line could be a sneaky strength of this team in the sense of, I thought it might be bad, but I thought there was a world where if things clicked right and this thing, you know, came out of nowhere and you looked up and South Carolina ended up having a pretty okay line, it, it wouldn't have been the craziest thing in the world, but it's been a real, it's been a, it's been a moving sort of needle for the last few weeks. Like they just, they're kind of trying to find that pulse. They're trying to find that consistency, trying to find that rotation. And I think they're getting there. Now, the question I have is why you couldn't figure that out, you know, over the six months you had leading up to the season. But I do think that there's, you know, I do think there's something to be said once the bullets are flying and you see things against other teams. Like there's something to be said for that, not to be completely snarky, but I do think that there is something to that. And and I think they're figuring it out. So this, I think this is actually probably the best like real test that South Carolina is going to have against a defensive line that I think is really good, but you know, obviously isn't Georgia and is maybe, I don't know what UNC is and what Furman necessarily becomes, but it's an interesting test at the very least. There's somebody should have asked uh Beamer, uh, why, 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 why would the defensive line was having so much success against that offensive line? Somebody could have just asked that question and we might have gotten an answer. Uh, on the other side of the ball, this South Carolina defense has not been good against the run this year. Second to last in the conference, only Vanderbilt has been worse in yards per game. If you're Mississippi State, is that your game plan? You're just going to come out there and try to, to control a lot of scrimmage offensively and run the football? Yeah. Will Rogers had what, like a season low, like 17 passes? Career low. Career low. Uh, against Arizona, and then last week was the career low in yardage. Right. So, I mean, if you told me that Will Rogers threw the ball 12 times on Saturday, that's probably a winning formula for Mississippi State. Like, I I mean, seriously, like, you know, that's not to be a knock on Will. It's just a matter of, you know, South Carolina has not been able to stop the run. Now, I will say that South Carolina's defensive line looked pretty good against Georgia. They were disruptive. They have some guys in the middle who can really play, and I think, you know, for what they lack at defensive end and maybe haven't been able to do in the pass rush or what we thought they might be able to do in the pass rush uh, over the offseason, like they've got some dudes at defensive tackle. They're not necessarily the household names you're going to find around the SEC, but they've got some guys there who can be good players. And I think may end up like if you told me this often, this run off defense ended up finishing, you know, seventh or eighth in the SEC after a couple of shaky starts to start the year, I, I could kind of buy into that. And I think the linebacking core has gotten better and is getting better with some guys who are stepping into bigger roles. So, I, but again, like I do think that Mississippi State, if they're going to win this football game, they're going to run the ball and they're going to run the ball a lot. And I think that South Carolina has, I, I think if you're, you know, Kevin Barbe and this offensive 
staff run the football till South Carolina proves you can stop it. And, and I just don't, I'm not sure that South Carolina actually can stop it right now. All right. I know you're an avid thunder and lightning listener. So you know how my Friday podcast goes. Give me an X factor for South Carolina in this game. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Spencer Rattler's the obvious choice. I'm going to say Xavier Leggett, the receiver on the outside. That's, a, that's an interesting choice. That's the best player on offense though, so. I, so far. I mean, I will say like Spencer Rattler's numbers have been super good. And I think like whatever his final line at Georgia was, I think it was like what, 29 to 42 or something. That's a little bit like he played, he played better than his number, his final completion yeah. percentage. Um, but Xavier Leggett, I mean, I don't know how many words there are to describe his transition over the last year because he's a guy that, you know, struggled with drops, had a couple, I think last year in the Florida game, had two different balls bounce off his hands into someone's hands for an interception. I would like back-to-back possessions. I mean, he's just been one of those guys who's been a lot more potential than actual and like flash than actual tangible results. And I think that all of a sudden the dude seems to have evolved into Alshon Jeffrey and is a senior and it's pretty it's pretty remarkable, and I think it's a credit to this receiving core. And Justin Sepp, I think, is one of the better receiver coaches in the country and, and has done a really, really good job with Xavier. And he, he's looked really, really good through a couple of games. And if Juice Wells isn't going to go this week, which, you know, all expectations are that he won't play, I mean, Xavier's going to be the guy on offense. And if they can get him going, I mean, South Carolina's going to have a chance. And Spencer Rattler's looked really, really good through a couple of games. And, again, like I know the numbers are a little deceiving here and there, but, I mean, he's been as good as any quarterback in the league so far through three games. And I think that if Xavier is clicking and he and Spencer are clicking, like they're going to have a chance to put up some points. All right. 60 seconds, national college football reporter, bigger upset this weekend, Notre Dame over Ohio state or Ole Miss over Alabama. Notre Dame, Ohio state. I think that Alabama, I think, I I think, listen, (laughs) no, you'll appreciate where I'm taking this. I think Alabama are in the same plane. And I don't mean that in a good way. Like Alabama's fallen down a little bit. Like if you told me that Ole Miss and Alabama both finished the season, like nine and three, eight and four, I can buy that. You know, Notre Dame over Ohio State's a bigger deal to me. All right. Well, our other bar, your, your young brother, my other handsome young son, Tyler Horka, will enjoy uh, covering that this week. Ben Portnoy from the Sports Business Journal, National College Football Report. Makes me proud to say that. I'm very pleased for you. Congrats, man. And thanks for coming on with me. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Anytime. All right, we'll be back in just a minute here from Brain Freeze in New Albany, Tallahatchie River Festival. So Thunder and Lightning. FM and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. You know, we uh, we we always talk like we talk about gambling every now and then on this podcast. We do a lot more on Sports Talk Mississippi. This is Thunder and Lightning. This isn't a podcast either. Now that I think about it, it's a radio show. Uh, but what would the Vegas odds be that we come back from break and I, my mouth is just covered in frozen yogurt here at Brain Freeze? Like, could you get a Vegas line on that where I, like I'm just under the sea salt caramel and somebody's just holding the lever down? A year ago, it would have been a real issue. Now I, I have I have the discipline to. Uh, Stay away. I keep looking at it, though. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm giving it. I'm giving it the look, the side eye. Yes. Ooh, looking good. Looking good. 
This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. We are live here in New Albany, Mississippi. My first time ever to this fine city. Won't be my last. Uh, we're here at Brain Freeze because Brain Freeze was kind enough to let us uh, use their facilities while the it's raining out. There's actual Thunder and Lightning outside, not just a radio show. Uh, and they let us have the last couple segments of Sports Talk Mississippi as well. Just want to give a shout out to my friend Houston McDavid, the McDave Goat sitting over there. Uh, the only man on earth who can pick up a radio show and move it in two minutes. Two minutes flat. He had this show back on the air. Incredible stuff. Also, Alex Payton is here. Alex, you know what? For, for, for our airing purposes, Alex number one right now. Right now. Right now. Just for right now. You've got 39. you got you got 20. <laughs> you got 21 more minutes of, of that. Then, then it's over. Um, so we've been pretty negative uh, the first half hour of this show, as we should be. I mean, it's not even being negative, guys. It's just being truthful. Uh, that Mississippi State did not play well on Saturday. That if Mississippi State continues to play that way, they will not win games in the Southeastern Conference. Let's let's turn the tables on that and let's try to look at reasons why we think Mississippi State can be successful this weekend against South Carolina. And I would start with this South Carolina football team is one of the most one-dimensional uh, football teams I've seen. Now, Spencer Rattler has gotten off to a, a really good start. He's completing about 71% of his passes on the year. Only four touchdowns, uh, but that, that's fine. But they have only rushed as a team, as a team, for 159 yards this season. Now, if you're thinking that doesn't seem like a lot, well, you're, first off, you're right. Uh, but secondly, I mean, Jaquavius Marks, by himself, in three games, one guy has rushed for 325 yards. So Marks has doubled South Carolina's rushing production on the year by himself. Uh, their leading rusher on the season is to carry on Joiner. Fun fact about him, he's a wide receiver. Uh, but he has 28 carries on the year for 75 yards. Uh, that's 75 yards. That's how many uh, Marks had against uh, LSU last week. I don't know why I pointed like LSU was back there or something. If the LSU's back there, somebody let me know. Uh, yeah, they haven't been good at running the football. And then to take it a step further, in the passing game, they're kind of one-dimensional as well in that they have one receiver who's been able to do almost anything. They have two receivers over 100 yards on the year, but only one has double-digit catches, and that's Xavier Leggett. 22 catches, 367 yards. That's a fantastic start to the season. He's on his way to an all-SEC campaign if he continues to put up those kind of numbers. But then their next leading receiver has seven catches. Now, for Mississippi State, let's not sit here and act like the passing numbers are fantastic. But that's kind of been the case with the offense, right? This is a passing offense. They've thrown the ball 108 times in three games. Mississippi State in three games has thrown it 74 times. So to only have one guy... Producing that gives you some some real hope that defensively you can devise a game plan to eliminate him from the game, that, to eliminate his production. Uh, you heard the interview we did with Ben Portnoy, and we talked about South Carolina's offensive line. Get to use one of my favorite words here. They are putrid. They are really really bad. Nine sacks against North Carolina. This is not North Carolina like with Julius Peppers and Lawrence Taylor in their prime back there. This, this is not a good North Carolina defense, and they got nine sacks. Mississippi State is not, has not been playing great defense this year, but you've got to believe they're going to be able to pressure Rattler. So if you can pressure Rattler and you can somehow you know, devise a scheme 
that limits what Leggett's able to do, you got something there defensively. And you can put yourself in a position to win. The other side of the ball, as Ben told us, this has not, this has not been a good rush defense. Second to last in the SEC, only Vanderbilt has given up more yards on the ground per game, which is kind of scary if you're Vanderbilt. The best team you've played is Wake Forest, and you're giving up 150 yards a game. What is Georgia going to do? That's not our concern. We'll let whatever the thunder and lightning version of Vanderbilt uh, is debate that one. So State, for all its issues, has been good running the football. Marks is averaging six yards a carry on the year. And if you want to give Mike Wright a carry, he's been pretty good. And that's where we're going to have to talk about the hard decisions, right? And if Dwayne and Brandon is listening, uh, you're going to have to, you're just going to have to suffer for, for a second because the leash on Will has got to be short at this point. It just has to be. If you come out on Saturday, you give them a couple of drives and they're not moving the football, you've got to make the change. You don't have a choice. You can't continue to go down this road because this road leads to nowhere. You've got to make that change. So, will they do it? That is a question that is going to determine what a lot of people think about Zach Arnett. Uh, do you think Arnett will step down on his own if they keep losing? Dwayne, no. Dwayne, I mean, he's making $3.5 million a year. He's not going to quit. Would you quit a job paying you $3.5 million a year? No. Step down on his own. Come on. Arnett's going to have to make that hard decision. And as I said on Sunday's pod, if Nick Saban can change quarterbacks in the middle of a national championship game, in the middle of the national championship game, the man said, i got to make a change at the most important position on the field, well, then you can change quarterbacks whenever the heck you want. Change them on practice, change them in the game, change them in the locker room, doesn't matter. Change them. If Will Rogers isn't delivering, he's got to go on the bench. And Rogers is a senior. He's, he's played these games. He has to be mature enough to accept, hey, I'm not playing well. Maybe Mike can give us a spark, and I'll support him. The same way that Mike, Mike Wright is supporting Will Rogers right now, despite the fact that he's probably thinking, man, if I could get out there, I could make a difference. But Mike Wright supports his teammate. Will Rogers has to do the same. And I believe he will. I feel like there's a lot of, of misinformation isn't the right word, but there's this narrative that, oh, if, if you change quarterbacks, you can't go back to Rogers. Rogers is mature enough to say, okay, I'm coming out, but if they, my team needs me to go back in, I will. I, I could not possibly see a scenario where Rogers would pout. He's, he's too mentally tough. He's too good a leader. He wouldn't do that. And if he did, that would I, that would I would means I have the complete wrong impression of him, and I don't think that I do. I've talked to him enough times. I've had enough dealings with him that I feel like he would take it in stride. He would take it on the chin. Would he be disappointed? Of course. He's a competitor. He wants to be out there doing the best he can. He wants to be winning football games for Mississippi State. But if you go two, two three and outs to start this game, you've got to make that change. You've got to try something different. If State does that... I think they have a real chance to win against South Carolina. I think defensively State can limit Spencer Rattler a bit, and I think offensively State can control the line of scrimmage. And if you put in right, he gives you that extra added uh, a dimension of running the football. This should be a close game. Line's four and a half. I think it may be up to six at this point. It opened at four and a half. And I, I honestly think if we could, you know, they, they don't release lines a week, in, a week in, ahead of time, but I think if you go back a week, 
this line might, state might have been favored on the road prior to the LSU game. But the LSU game did happen, and everybody saw how state didn't perform in it. And so now everybody's thinking, okay, well, South Carolina's probably going to beat them. And again, I want to point out one more time for the record, I said South Carolina was going to win this game back in July when we were at SEC Media Days. I said South Carolina was going to win this game. So certainly I haven't seen anything to change my opinion on that. It's going to be more about what I see on Saturday. What do I see at 6.30 in Columbia that determines, you know, I haven't had that reset yet on my expectations. What do I always say? If you get new information, you can change your mind. I haven't had the, the, the reset yet. I'm still willing to stick with 8-4 and four if they can get some things fixed. Even if they lose on Saturday, I'm still willing to stick with that for two reasons. One, I, th- I think the team is talented enough to get there. But more importantly, look at the conference. Arkansas, not good. Auburn, not good. Texas A&M, not good. Kentucky, eh. Ole Miss, I know, they, I know their fans want to believe it, but no. The, the Ole Miss is not good defensively. Hey, Alabama, State's not going to beat Alabama, but they, they are certainly not the unbeatable juggernaut they've been in the past. There are winnable games left on the schedule. But if State doesn't play any better than they played Saturday, it doesn't matter who they play. They can't beat anybody playing the way they played Saturday. They've got to, they've got to, they've got to do that soul-searching thing. The teams do. Yeah, we've, we've already heard about the, the dreaded players-only meeting. That's usually not a good sign. Players only meeting is is, is, is that corn? All right, I'm down. Uh, sometimes Rhino surprises me with the music, and I just like is that is that corn? All right, we'll be back in just a minute. We'll wrap things up. I'll give you some players to watch this weekend, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and I'll give you my prediction for this huge game in the road on the road this Saturday. This thunder and lightning live here at Brain Freeze. In New Albany as part of the Tallahatchie River Festival. Back in just a minute. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot them. You know, Alex, one of the issues this show has, though, is that Alex number one, normal Alex number one, is a big-time listener. She's going to be mad. So, but you, you've only got seven minutes left. So, so I'll probably have to. I'll, I, might, I might preemptively text her and just be like, "Hey, hey, yeah, just just because she 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 helped me out today." What what's that? That's a family program. Ah, uh, Thunder and Lightning is a family program here on Super Talk uh, Mississippi. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in on a Wednesday evening. We know you have a lot of options for. Mississippi State live radio shows? Wait a minute. No, you don't. I'm the only one. <laughs> Stick with me. Uh, what's going to happen Saturday? By the way, we are here, uh, in case you're wondering, you're looking around, and you're like, this is not the Super Talk Studios. You're right. That would be awesome if this is a Super Talk Studio, first off. Can you imagine if they were like, Brian, we, uh, we decided to turn your studio into a frozen yogurt emporium? 
be like, what did I do to deserve this? What would Richard Cross's dream studio be? A bank? I don't know. A place that sells, like a men's clothier, but they only sell ascots and, and pocket squares. Anyway, we're here at the uh, new uh, in New Albany at the Tallahatchie River Festival. We had an all-day remote here, so shout out. I, I'm making fun of these guys over here, but Houston and Alex have been up since like 3 this morning. They got the Gallo show going. That had that Richard was on. Uh, middays, Rebecca, sports talk, and now they had to finish. This, this, this is the funny part, though, when they were just like, I, I, I reached out, I think, to Houston, and I was just like, you realize we have to we have a show on Wednesday that it goes a little longer, and, and Houston was like, I mentioned this, but I don't think anybody heard it. And it's like, well, here we are. So, uh, thanks for uh, tuning into the show tonight. We had a lot of, lot of great text here on the, uh, the text line, 601-879-4395, if you want to Get a last. You want to get a last minute dig in on me, Bo in Indianola. If you got anything more, say so don't don't get in a wreck, Bo. By the way, I see you're, you're texting and driving. Don't do that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like you, but I don't want you to have a wreck. Stay safe, buddy. All right, players to watch. I mean, can I can I can I can I say Rogers and Wright? Because one of them's got to step up. One of them's got to be the quarterback of this team. One of them's got to produce at a high level on Saturday, and if they don't do that, then what are we talking about? Everything else is, is useless to talk about at that point. So Rodgers and Wright offensively have got to deliver yardage, points, leadership, everything. One of them's got to do it. If they don't, no chance. No chance whatsoever. Uh, defensively, you know, I said to Cameron Richardson last week because I thought, okay, they'll put the they'll, the game plan will be for him to cover Malik Neighbors. That wasn't the case. They let whoever. I felt like they were having a contest. Like, would you like to cover Malik Neighbors? Draw a name out of a hat. Up, oh, it's your turn. Oh, touchdown. They need to. Uh, they need to. Uh, to find someone and and lock up Leggett, and that needs to be to Cameron Richardson. That's your best guy. So put him out there. Although I will say this, I was really impressed with DeCarlos Nicholson. I think he's coming on. He might be able to take that second cornerback spot. State's got some talented guys there to play corner. they got to figure out uh, what to do there for sure. And then from an X-Factor perspective, Tulu Griffin has been getting good yardage on kickoff returns this year. Uh, on the season, I think he's averaging close to like 30 yards a return. He, he's, he's playing well. He's going to get loose at some point. And I think there's going to be some points scored in this game, which means there'll be some opportunities for Tulu. One thing that's driving me crazy is State's got to tell Tulu, look, if it's just a yard deep in the end zone, go get it. Get back there and return that. Don't, don't, you know, chances are much higher that you're going to give us better field position than just letting it go through. So we'll see what that happens. Xavier Thomas, some of the same thing. There's going to be punts in this game. Need to see if he can he can get hold of one and do something. Man, it, State, State could go for a special teams touchdown. They could go for that really, really badly. Prediction? <sighs> Again, you know, I don't feel bad saying I think State's going to lose because I thought State was going to lose no matter what happened. Now, if State had beaten LSU, maybe I changed my tune. But I, 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 I've been saying that State's going to lose this game going back to the start of this year. You know, when we started talking about 2023, I had this game circled as a loss. So I still think that, obviously. It's just what, what do I think is going to happen? What do I think the, the, the final score of this game is going to be? I think it's going to be close. I think State will figure something out offensively. They'll certainly run the football. I think they can limit South Carolina somewhat defensively, but 
if you guys are, are never heard this before, I have a simple three-pronged program for how I like to pick games. Who has the better coach, who has the better quarterback, and where is the game? The better coach is Beamer, the better quarterback is Rattler, and the game is in Columbia. How do I pick Mississippi State to win in that situation? I will not. Uh, South Carolina, 35, Mississippi State, 27. Gamecocks to cover. We'll see how it goes, though. Could easily go the other way. Four-outcome game. So we'll see what happens. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi tomorrow, back in Starkville at the studio there. And uh, don't miss Thunder and Lightning, the podcast interviews with Emily Adams of the Greenville News and Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports on tomorrow's uh, Thunder and Lightning pod. Have a great night, guys. Back with you very soon. For all the great folks here in New Albany and here at Brain Freeze, I'm Brian Haydad. Rhino Dather in Studio X. Thanks for tuning in to Thunder and Lightning. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.